from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Star Joe's Podcast, episode 183, top five movies from 1986. I'm your host, Ryan. I'm John. And I'm the long-missing Shannon. <laughs> Welcome back, Shannon. <laughs> um, so, number one, glad to have you back. Uh, and it cracked me up when I reached out to all you guys and was like, hey, who can record? You are like, well, if you'll have me back. <laughs> so, you are a host from now until whenever, so you're welcome to come back anytime you want to. So I was on sabbatical. <laughs> uh, was it uh, mental or drinking sabbatical or both? I, I, I feel I, I can't admit anything. <laughs> so, uh, so how you been though? Since the listeners haven't heard from me for a while, like what's been going on? How have things been going? Just working, traveling. Yeah. My wife and I took a little romantic holiday to Santa Fe. Nice. That was nice. Uh, aside from that, just avoiding you. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. Sorry. My wife does the same thing. Uh, John, how have you been? What's been What's been new with you? Oh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, everything's good. Okay. Everything's good. Cool. What are you up to on Twitter now? Like 16,000 followers? <laughs> no. 4,000 something. <laughs> Every time I look on there, it's like, I'd like to welcome 48,000 people to my Twitter feed. <laughs> well, good on you, John. Have fun. What can I tell you? Yeah. Popular fun. SOB, aren't you? As long as he keeps retweeting the episodes, I don't really care. <laughs> That's brilliant. Stay engaged. Hey, I, it may be a little early, but it's not, it's not a movie from 86. But I want to give a quick recommendation on a movie that is his 80s-based that is, uh, I just saw a couple weeks ago. It's a little Irish film called Sing Street. Okay. And it is fantastic. If you are a fan of new wave music, uh, Duran Duran, The Cure, uh, especially, you know, the British, 
bands of that era. Uh-huh. Uh, you need to see this movie. It, it is, it's great. It's about a kid who uh, ends up in a new uh, Catholic boys' school and falls in love with a girl across the street and basically ends up telling her, oh, I have a band, and we're going to make a video. I want you to be in the video. And it's all about this kid kind of discovering music, and it goes through all these iterations, and they – Every day he goes to school or every week, you know, he's in a new band. So at one point he looks like Duran Duran. One week he's got a haircut like Robert Smith. It's a great movie. Again, it's just a little Irish film that, uh, you know, several people had told me about. And I finally turned on to it and I watched it twice in a day. That's how much I enjoyed it. It was, <laughs> is that Netflix or really well? It is on Netflix. Cool. And the music that the, there is, they obviously use music from the time. But the band, who is all these, you know, Catholic boys, you know, Catholic school boys, they they wrote music that totally fits the era. So oh, it's God, it's funny. Nice. It's just it's really nice little film. There's one kid that's really hard to understand. Uh, the rest of them, the accents are not uh, too much. One little kid, you just can't understand almost any, anything comes out of his mouth. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun, and uh, uh, you know, but yeah, it's called Sing Street, and it is on. Netflix, and I would highly recommend it, especially if you were into, like I said, the new wave or the British, you know, music of the, you know, probably it's 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 based in 1985, so probably from like 83 to 86 that time frame. If you like that music, I think you'd really enjoy it. Nice. A um, couple things I I wanted to mention. One is something I just saw today, uh, kind of related to the 80s movies. Uh, is I guess boom. I think I'm remembering the title right, but Boom Studios is coming out with a comic in. It's going to be released in May. I saw the solicita- solicitation for it. Um, I think it's called The Misfits, and it's about a group of kids that uh, live in the town where Goonies was filmed. Uh, it seems like they don't have the rights to mention the name Goonies, but they mention the. It's the. They mentioned the city, which I can't remember the name of the city in, in Goonies, but they said where that that 80s uh, film was about kids exploring uh, or finding a pirate ship. Like, that's kind of the description. And then these kids actually end up finding a treasure map and everything else. So it's a title I'm going to check out because it sounds like they're basically writing Goonies um, without being able to use the name uh, and referencing it without maybe being able to use the name. So, uh, so that's a, I just saw the title. I was like, okay, that's pretty funny to make all these references without actually saying Goonies. Uh, even the covers uh, for it show like different Goonies type things. So, um, and then a movie I saw just recently. I did go see Lego Batman. Uh, I would say that if you are a fan of Batman in any version, you might want to go see this movie. Uh, it was an absolute blast, uh, but they referenced every version of Batman I've ever thought of. So uh, there's definitely some references to uh, Batman 66, Adam West Batman. Uh, some of them are funny. Like there's a point where uh, Joker asks, uh, says something about like, "What about that weird time back in '66?" And they show Adam West doing the little dance and everything else. <laughs> so that was cool. Um, like you see the animated series, there's references even to some of the comic book stories. Um, and one of the things I really loved with it was, uh, I know both of you really enjoyed Deadpool. Uh, so you know how Deadpool had it's this weird, this unique opening. 
uh, that was very tongue-in-cheek. Well, that's kind of how this movie opens. Obviously, it's not an R-rated one, so they don't do it quite like Deadpool did. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, Will Arnett, who voices uh, Batman in the movie. Uh, it's a black screen, and he's like, black. Every epic movie opens with a black screen. And then it's like the Warner Brothers thing comes on, the logo comes on, and he's like, <laughs> Warner Bros, or, well, might be Warner Brothers. <laughs> And it just continues like that through the opening credits. So, um, and then at the end, it's like every movie, every epic movie ends with a white screen. So it's not to give the ending away, but it ends with a white screen. So, uh, <laughs> but it it was absolute blast. I had a feeling I would like it. I liked the Lego Movie. I didn't love the Lego Movie, but the Batman Lego Movie I thought was fantastic. And like I said, if you're a fan of Batman in any way, uh, any version of it, you probably want to go see this. I mean, they had references to Batman Beyond in there. Uh, like I said, Batman Animated Series, the Super Friends. There was def- a huge homage to the Super Friends in there. Um, so, like, everything you can imagine was in there. So I cannot recommend it enough. So, um, so the last bit of business I wanted to cover, because I know people have been anxious because we haven't had an episode out since the end of January, and I apologize for that. Uh, we'll definitely have more episodes coming out because we want to get to 200 by the time Baltimore comes, which means we got to be putting out about two or three episodes every month until we get to that point. So I kind of have a timetable as far as getting all that stuff out. Um, but last couple episodes, we mentioned the contest, and we had a whopping three people enter the contest, so it pays to enter. Uh, because we've definitely had more entries than this in the past. Um, but the, here's the cool thing about it. So we had it open to the U.S. and we had it open to international. Uh, we had one U.S. entry. Uh, and, John, I'm going to ask you if you can guess who possibly entered. I can tell you it's a, a longtime fan of the show and someone contacts us often. Brian Lang. No. Brian Lang. No. <laughs> oh, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Is it Andre? No, it is not Andre. Good guesses, though. Oh, my though. God. Who thinks he's a host but is not actually a host? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Mr. Jason. Mr. Jason. Starbitch Star Star number one, right? <laughs> yes, Starbitch is number one. <laughs> Mr. Jason Adams uh, entered uh, from the U.S., and he so he's the winner. Uh, I will be contacting him to... By the time he hears this, I'll have already contacted him for his address to send him that uh, Blu-ray. So uh, he's entered multiple times in the past. I don't think he's ever won one of the contests, so I'm happy that he finally has won one of them because <laughs> I probably would never hear the end of it if he didn't. Um, the cool thing is the two international people that contacted us, I don't think we've ever heard from them before. Both of them sent really nice emails uh, saying how much they enjoy the show, they're in they're loving all the additional content uh, with the YouTube stuff and uh, Facebook stuff and everything else. So um, one of them is in Japan and one of them is in Canada. So it'll be interesting to see how far the postage has to go. Um, but I have both names in a uh, on slips of paper, and I have them in the Green Lantern mug that Rock gave me several years ago. So I'm going to draw one name out. And the winner is, if I can open it, Tom, who's in Japan. Uh, he did not provide me his last name, so uh, 
Tom, I'll be emailing you back and getting your address there in Japan, and I will be sending you uh, the Revolution series uh, and all of its tie-ins. I was able to track down all of the tie-ins to go along with it, plus uh, Mask issue number one and the new G.I. Joe issue number one from IDW. So... Oh. <laughs> and none of these are from like none of these issues are ones I read and I'm passing them along. These are I have these in my own collection. Uh so these are brand new issues never even been opened. So uh so congratulations to both of them. That's awesome. Congrats guys. Thanks for thanks for participating. Yeah. And the rest of you lug nuts get on it next time. <laughs> Or there can not be any more contests. I got all kinds of stuff. I've been sitting here. I, I've been uh, collecting uh, little uh, trinkets and gifts and things over the last few months, uh, planning to do another contest. But man, if three people are going to participate, yeah, eh, maybe I'll wait. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like in past contests, I've had we've had as few as ten, and as many as like twenty people enter. So to only have three, I was actually kind of shocked. So, but hey just shows you need to enter every single time um all right so you guys right uh you guys ready to talk some movies from 86 why not sure okay thanks for that rousing <laughs> bit of enthusiasm there <laughs> all right so uh we talked a little bit right before recording i don't know how tough it was for you guys but for me uh 86 i was 10 to 11 years old in that year and <sighs> i was <laughs> And a lot of these movies I either saw in the theater or a year or two later I watched them on HBO. So I saw a ton of movies that came out in 86. This was really tough for me to narrow down. Um, how tough it, How tough was it for you guys? John? I, I found it interesting because a lot when I went to look at the list, just how many of the movies came out in 86, mm-hmm. uh, I was starting to see a lot of these things when I was uh, in high school. I was in was in the marching band. We would you know go on trips, and we didn't have cable where I was growing up, and so be out in a, you know we'd be in a on an overnight trip in a hotel somewhere, and HBO would be on, and a lot of this stuff was starting to pop up then, you know, in the eighty six, eighty seven time frame. So uh, it wasn't super hard, but it was fun, and there were definitely a couple things that uh, when I saw, I could I totally forgot they'd come out that year or that or had it really been that long since I had maybe had seen them. So nice. How about, for you, how about for you, Shannon? It's funny because it's, uh, 86 was the year I got my driver's license. Okay. And basically the only thing you could do on your own, as far as my parents were concerned, when you had your license was go to a movie and then come home. <laughs> so I saw a lot of these films in the theater. Nice. Yeah, so uh, what we'll do just for those, because it's been a little while since we've done the movies and, and everything else, so what we will do is we will kind of in a round-robin style uh we will start with our number fives uh go into why they were our number five uh and then work our our way down to our number ones uh we don't reveal if we have the same movie someone else mentioned maybe higher on our list or you know you can mention if it's on the same in the same spot um you can mention it if it's in your honorable mentions like maybe it didn't make your list but it was in your honorable mentions and things like that so uh but this way every single number someone get you know everyone gets a chance to talk about why it was in the spot that it was and and what it means to them and everything else so so with that being said uh we'll kick it off 
with our number fives with John. John, what was your number five? My number five was back to school. Nice. <laughs> that is on my men- honorable mention list for sure. I don't know how many movies can you can you think of that have Rodney Dangerfield, Sam Kinison, Kurt Vonnegut, and Oingo yeah. Boingo all appearing <laughs> on screen. I'm thinking there's one, John. <laughs> this it's, movie it's like, is great. It's, what? No, I was going to say it's like a Love Boat episode that got out of control or something. You know, it was like, oh. let's get everybody involved. <laughs> so much fun. And when he does the triple Lindy, you just you can't help but laugh. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, and it's funny because this is the first thing I remember seeing Sam Kennison in. And mm. that was really probably at the beginning of his to begin really at the beginning of his peak or yeah. when he, you know, when he started coming more mainstream, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I, I had it when I was going through the list, I was like, Oh, back to school. I used to watch it all the time when I was younger. And like I said, especially when you see Von, he's cussing out Vonnegut cause he got a C on a paper about a Vonnegut book. <laughs> and I didn't I, know that thing, Vonnegut. <laughs> I, I don't remember Boingo, Boingo ever performing, you know, putting on a show in another movie of that time. So right. that was my number five. I love the uh, the scene too with Kinnison where he's uh, where he's getting the final te- exam and he's like, "Hey, let's all it, just true Kinnison style." He's just like, "Hey, let's all relax. Let's let's breathe a little bit." And then he's like, "Say it, say it." <laughs> he's like, "The answer is four? <laughs> so, yeah, that's a fantastic movie. Um, okay, Shannon, your number five. My number five is actually the mission. Okay. With um, Jeremy Irons and uh, Robert De Niro. Okay. It was a film that uh, a friend of my dad's, who was another drummer, uh, took me to see. And I can't remember like how he got me to go, because I was one of those kids that was like, okay, if it's not TNA and explosions and <laughs> aliens, I don't want to see it. <laughs> and so we went to this film, and I don't know if you've seen it, but it's basically about this guy who tries to, de- this Jesuit priest that yeah. tries to defend this a tribe of uh, Indians from the Spanish government who wants to take their land and kill all these Indians. And I just remember being hit so hard by this film. It really just kind of blew my mind. I never had any kind of interest in films like that before. And it kind of opened up a whole new world of uh, foreign films and indie films and stuff that I would have never given the time of day to before that. And I was really just kind of shocked by the imagery in it and the cinematography of it and i even bought the soundtrack which was an enio Maricone who did the soundtrack to like all the clint eastwood spaghetti westerns you oh, know nice. the classic yeah. clint eastwood theme um so it was just kind of an eye-opening experience for me as and and i was like i said i was turning 16 i got my driver's license and you're kind of discovering who you are as a person like what you really want to do with your life or where you kind of hope you're going to go and it really was just a little bit of an artistic awakening for me. So it was, it was a big influence on me. And I, I know it's not like a film that everybody goes back to like multiple times, but yeah. it, it really kind of had a big impact on me. Well, and you can tell it had a big impact on you when you actually are going out and getting the uh, soundtrack for it and everything else. Like that was, I know at least for me, that was a big thing. Like if I really loved a movie, especially the music from it, like I had to go out and get the soundtrack for it. So yeah, because up until then it was like Karate Kid soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. you know, it wasn't exactly like classical scores or something. Right. So. <laughs> um, so my number five was really 
tough because I went back and forth with two movies, and I finally had to break down and, and pick this one movie just because of how much I watched it and how much I loved it and how much most people didn't know it. <laughs> um, my number five was a movie called One Crazy Summer. Uh, it is my uh, I am a huge fan of John Cusack. Uh, I will see any movie that he's in. This is my favorite John Cusack movie. Um, it has John Cusack's in it. Uh, if I remember right, uh, Demi Moore's in it. Yep. Um, a very young Demi Moore. Uh, you have uh, Joel Mar- uh, Murray, uh, who plays his buddy. You got Bobcat Goldthwait, who plays one of a, of a twin, and the mm-hmm. twin does, looks nothing like him. <laughs> um there, Don't forget the porpoise. Oh yeah, there's the porpoise. Uh, I love the the animation, uh, telling the story because he's kind of uh, John Cusack. Kind of plays like this cartoonist um, and uh, artist type, and he's known as Hoops. And everyone thinks he's really good at basketball because of it. And nothing could be further from the truth. Um, you also have uh, the guy that played uh, Booger from uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Um, uh, Artis Armstrong. Yes, yes. Artis Armstrong. Yeah, and he plays uh, Akak, uh, a character named Akak. So now one of the things I, one of the scenes I actually love in this movie is, um, well, there's two scenes. One is Bobcat Goldthwait, and both of them involve Bobcat Goldthwait. Bobcat Goldthwait uh, telling the story about uh, how he was a, a he's he's like uh, trying to tell a, a parable or like a, a analogy story and he's just like let me tell you a story about a little fat boy that nobody loved and that all the other kids they used to make fun of him and they would pick on him and, they, and, they, and then they used to say that he talks funny and stuff and he had, had a twin brother and everybody and, and, and everybody said they didn't like anything like his twin brother but but he wanted to Hank were you the little fat boy no no but, but I used to like to beat him up you know I grab my go why are you so fat why are you so fat and I beat the shit out of him and then he also gets trapped in a Godzilla costume and there's this whole scene where this guy is trying to, very Goonies-ish, he's trying to buy all the land so that he could build his estates. And he has this model set up with all of what it's going to look like. And he has Japanese investors there. And Bobcat Goldthwait gets stuck in this Godzilla costume and he gets a cigar thrown into his mouth, the Godzilla mouth by accident. And smoke's coming out and he's freaking out and he goes stomping through the model... And just smoke's coming out, stuff is blowing up. It looks like an old Godzilla movie. It's oh, it's such a great movie. I absolutely loved it, and like I said, I watched it hundreds of times, if not more. So that's actually one of my honorable mentions. You know what's interesting? Summer. We. What's that? I said that was actually one of my honorable mentions, just because he was so oh, point that out. Thanks. It was okay. One of the, uh, the one of the interesting stories out of that movie, we may have talked about this when we did the '85 uh, films, but uh, of course Cusack did uh, Better Better Off Dead the year yeah. before with Savage yeah. Steve, yeah. and 
they watched a screening on the set of One Crazy Summer, and that's when Cusack just lost his mind about <laughs> how much he hated that. So, which I still don't get because that's my favorite Cusack movie, but yeah. uh, of that time frame anyway. But I just it's interesting because that, that he you know he they made two movies back to back together. You know, Curtis Armstrong was in that one as well. Yeah. But uh, you know that story of him losing his mind is kind of legendary. Oh yeah, <laughs> how much he disliked and didn't work with him again after that. Yeah, nice. It's sad for me because it was originally I was actually hoping to go to RISD, which is the college that John Cusack's sure. character is yeah. wanting to right. go to. Yeah. And I probably told this story in the past where I just was too lazy and I never got around to actually submitting the paperwork to be considered for the school. <laughs> and so I went to Atlanta College of Art thinking, oh, I'll go here for a year and then I'll transfer. And I never got around to that either. Um, but I remember that was the reason that I wanted to see that film was just because his character was going to go to RISD. Nice. It's like, that was the whole purpose of me seeing that movie. And I, when you were describing the Godzilla scene, I completely forgot about that. Oh and I remember laughing so hard, I had tears coming out of my eyes. Oh, yeah. Well, and just even him going through all the different costumes, and he's just like going, he's like, now that that I could wear anywhere. And like and he's like, oh. And then he, he just, his eyes light up, and you don't even see what he's about to put on. Um, but yeah, the the whole Godzilla scene is just makes that movie for me. And what was it? He had a uh, what was it? The road paver instead of a, a sports car for his yes. graduation gift or yes. something? Yeah, and it was it like said, an asphalt flattener. Yes, and it was said hoops in big letters because everyone was getting different cars for the graduation, and that was his. Um, and then there was Odie the dog was on the was the masthead for the the uh, oh, that's boat, right. the sailboat that they were taking. Yes. Um, just because, like every movie in the '80s, someone was trying to buy the property that the family owned, and there had to be some big race or competition at the end mm-hmm. that would allow them to save it. <laughs> so, um, all right. Uh, so, John, what is your number four? I probably should have started before I talked about my number five to give those of uh, those listeners that are. Uh, diligent in their uh, 80s films listenings. Uh, there is a Hal Needham movie this year. It is not on my list because it's rad, and I had outgrown BMX bikes by the time that movie came out. <laughs> I love that. It was just, <laughs> just kind of be, I was beyond that at that point. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in 85, uh, my number one film was Commando, of course, and uh, as I said, I believe then that uh, 86, there would be a Schwarzenegger movie as well. Uh, and that number four for me was Raw Deal. Nice. Where uh, Schwarzenegger plays a retired FBI agent who come, who's become a sheriff in a little town in North Carolina. His old boss comes to talk him into coming back because the uh, boss's son was killed in the line of duty by the biggest uh, mafia boss in Chicago. And uh, Schwarzenegger comes back, goes undercover, goes into the mafia, and mayhem ensues. Now, the reason it's not only because of Schwarzenegger and his portrayal uh, of uh, of his character, but we get as his uh, old friend and old boss at the FBI, the one and only Darren McGavin, the <laughs> old man in this movie. Should and I start whistling the uh, Kolchak theme? I I just he is so awesome in it, and uh, oh yeah, another one of these. I used to watch it all the time. And uh, 
Schwarzenegger runs around with guns and shoots people. I mean, what else can you ask for in a Schwarzenegger movie? And the, the, <laughs> right. the, 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 the main guy, when he takes him down, the shot of him like laid over his table, he's just got one little cut on his face, and there's just one little drop of blood, one after the next, after the next, you know, as his eyes are wide open. And, you know, but uh, Raw Deal, if you haven't seen it and you like Schwarzenegger movies, it's good. It's a good one. Nice, nice. Shannon, what was your number four? Well, keeping with my uh, awakening, uh, number four is Blue Velvet. <laughs> okay. Which scared the bejesus out of me. Um, I I just remember seeing that film. Again, it was another one of those that was just had this art, artistic vision, and it just kind of went through it. But I just, who is it, Topper was the bad guy in it? Yeah, yeah. And he, and he kept like sniffing the stuff and like, Daddy wants to play or whatever. And it was just, I remember thinking he was the most messed up dude on the planet. I mean, I almost peed myself. That guy scared me so much when he was on screen. And I remember that there being like this whole stink about it. And you don't, you know, if you go see this, you're going to hell. And, you know, yeah. just, but it was, it was the most striking film I had seen in a long time or, well, you know, since the mission, which was like a week before. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I just think it's a great film. I think it still holds up. I think the story still has the impact that it had then. Uh, and it was, it was David Lynch, right? Yeah. Um, it messed with my head. Yeah. And they got, uh, Kyle McLaughlin was in it and Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah. Yeah. And he was big around that time as far as being in a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. uh, he, I think he tends to play a lot of the bad guys nowadays, but, um, but yeah. Well, it's funny because he, he's like the, the nerdy kid next door or whatever in that yeah. film. Yeah. And it's hard to picture him that way now. Yeah. But yeah, if you want to see a really good, Kyle, you want to see a good Kyle McLaughlin thing now, he plays the mayor of Portland and Portlandia. So if you, if you want to see something where he's really funny, that's, okay. he's great on that show. Okay. And then Isabella Rosalini. Yeah, that was another big stink in the film. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so my number four will not surprise anyone. Uh, in fact, I think people would be shocked if it wasn't in my top five. Uh, they might be surprised at how low it is, but uh, my number four was Labyrinth. Uh, we all know that I'm a huge Jim Henson fan, uh, but especially Labyrinth, like the best way I can describe it, it's... Uh, for anyone that hasn't seen it, and I'm kind of, I'd be shocked if someone hasn't, but it's kind of like Alice in Wonderland meets the Dark Crystal. <laughs> it's like, it's, uh, you know, she, she's watching her little baby brother, this, uh, and she wishes the Goblin King to take him away, and the Goblin King comes and takes the baby brother away, and, uh, which the, Goblin King was played by David Bowie. Um, and when David Bowie passed away, uh, the first thing I thought of was the Goblin King. Uh, I mean, I know everyone else is like huge. You know, I know a lot of heavy David Bowie fans, but for me, he that was my first exposure to him was as the Goblin King. So um, it's good. Just, I love anything where it's, this whole world building type adventure. And this is exactly what that was. So like, I love Alice in Wonderland and Wizard of Oz and all those types of movies. 
this was a nice dark twisted version and probably it doesn't to me it doesn't get any darker than when she thinks she's back in her room and uh, finds out that it's basically a, a trash dump and the this creepy woman comes up and is trying to convince her that she is where she's supposed to be and is trying to hand her stuff and she realizes it's just all garbage and uh, of course it doesn't hurt that it's Jennifer Connelly playing the main oh, no. <laughs> lead at all. <laughs> so, no, no, no. Um, so yeah, is and she meets up with you know just like a, a Wizard of Oz type movie. She meets up with a ragtag group of of cast members that come along with her for the adventure and everything else. But uh, love the puppetry, love the story. It, it was it gets very twisted at times, and I watched this. I don't God, I don't know how many times uh, absolutely, and I still love it today. So, so Labyrinth I think was, it's, yeah. No, I was going to say it's, it's one of my honorable mentions, but I also think the use of the MC Escher stairs. Oh yeah. In the, in the chase scene near the end of the film with the baby. Yeah. I've, a lot of people reference art and things in their films and they just don't use it to its full potential. Yeah. I thought that was one of the few times where it's like, okay, I know what, what you're using, but you're using it for the story. Yeah. It's not just thrown in there. It's like, look, this is cool. I threw in some art. It really made sense in that in that oh, yeah. context. Well, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, and, and with that, like, obviously, again, I was at an age where I didn't know that reference, and it wasn't until I was older and knew who MC Usher was and stuff like that. I was like, I was like oh, they did that in Labyrinth. Uh, and, yeah, I, think, I thought that was just a very cool use of it. Because, like you said, there's a lot of times you see art in a movie and – you just, it's kind of like a background, or they, it feels kind of forced. And this, yeah, it totally worked for the story that was being told and shown. So, yeah, I thought that was brilliant. Um, all right, uh, John, you're number three. Number three was probably the first big budget movie this gentleman directed, at least the first one I can remember. Uh, Aliens. Nice. James Cameron. And uh, I watched this one a lot in 86, 87, 88. Uh, it, it holds up. I saw it just lately, probably in the last month or so. It was on somewhere, and I stopped. Oh, cool. I haven't seen Aliens in a while. I'll put that on. And uh, it's still great. Yeah. Uh, it's a, obviously a very different movie from the from the original. Yeah. And, uh, but let's face it, Cameron knew how to put on an epic uh, space tale and uh, with great battles. And I've mentioned this podcast before, but uh, I was there, too, uh, which is uh, with a guy named Matt Gorley talking about talking to people that were in m- big movies or movies that he's a fan of that were not the main actors. He had uh, uh, the woman who played um uh, uh, Vasquez, and then also the guy who was uh, Private uh, Frost. Oh, nice. He's had both on the show, and they talked about filming the movie and like how they came up with their, um, with like the 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 markings on their on their armor and their gear and stuff, and yeah. how they all got that kind of stuff. So it was really interesting. But anyway, you know, it's a movie again. I think it holds up really well, uh, which tends to be Cameron's. He tends to make things that hold up, I think, for the most part. So, um, not a again, not 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 a uh, 
horror of the mind or you know uh, uh, a, a thriller like maybe the first one there's like I, I, there is that one scene though every time when that one uh face hugger pops up on the in the lab yeah it sticks up the glass i still jump a little bit even now oh, like yeah. i forget man pop and whoa but yeah uh and you get uh we get a uh, sigourney we were fighting in that cool uh you know mech suit oh yeah uh, that damn cool too so and game over man <laughs> the, the, act, the actress that played Vasquez was uh, Jeanette Goldstein. So I just looked it up. So, yeah. Which doesn't seem like that should be her name, does it? No. <laughs> well, they talk about that. Jeanette Goldstein! On that podcast, they talk about how did she get a, you know, how did she get the gig playing Vasquez and she's not necessarily of the uh, of uh, descent that matches up. But right. anyway, yeah, so it was my uh, my number three and it uh, it's definitely worth a watch. Nice. All right, uh, Shannon, what was your uh, number three? Number three for me is Highlander. Oh, nice. Um, I just it's an it's one of those films that I can watch over and over and over again. I know it's not a great film, but I, I enjoy the story of it. I enjoy the uh, the flashbacks more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um. And of course, whoever decided, hey, yeah, let's have a Spaniard played by a Scotman. I, I just, you know, there's so many things wrong with that film. It should fail on so many levels. And a Scot right. by, a, by a Belgian, so I mean, come on. It doesn't, it just doesn't make it, you know, like everything about that film says failure. This says like this should be a crap film on MST at some point. But it, I enjoy it. I, I love watching it. It worked. You know, so. you, and, so yeah, I can I can watch it a million times. Sequels, maybe yeah. not so much, but but I, I I enjoy it. It's got a great soundtrack too. Yeah, yes. those Queen tunes are awesome. Yeah. Plus, uh, Mr. Krabs as you know the evil guy in it because you you know the guy that does the, the evil Highlander or whatever the one that gets his throat cut. He's the voice of Mr. Krabs now on SpongeBob. Oh, oh well, Mark. Never, yeah. I picked up on that. Ah. Yeah. Did not know that. No. Now somebody will show, no, he's wrong. It's the other guy. Oh, no. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's him. Well, uh, my number three, uh, it's a little uh, movie that uh, when, when you watch it, much like the movie you are just talking about, it shouldn't work. Um, because it's cheesy as hell, but it just works really well, and that's uh, Big Trouble in Little China uh, with Kurt Russell uh, playing Jack Burton, and uh, it's I've watched it recently. I still love it, but man, there's just some cheesy ass moments in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's there's scenes that I love, like when the uh, the monster they're in the sewer and the monster comes out and. And the old Asian guy, uh, Egg, he... There's a lot of eggs in my top five. <laughs> so I just realized <laughs> there's Egg from One Crazy Summer and Egg in the uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Um, egg throws the magic and he's like, it will not come out, come out no more. And and he's like, what? What will come out no more? <laughs> um, it's, it's just his cockiness throughout the movie. Uh and then there's that cool scene at the end where the knife gets thrown at him and he catches it and whips it back and wins. Um, and 
Yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's it's just such a movie that shouldn't work. Uh, and there's just, it seems like it was just very choppy editing, but man, I love this movie. And they did a comic series uh, just recently. It went for like 25, I think like 25 issues. Um, and that was really good. It picked up right where the movie left off. Um, I've heard rumors of them wanting to reboot this movie, and I don't want them touching this movie. Uh, <laughs> it, it, just leave it alone because it's not. On paper, it should not be a good movie, <laughs> but man, it's enjoyable. So, uh, and are it's they? All, the it's all in the reflexes. So, is the series over? or Is it still running? Uh, it is over. However, they did a crossover miniseries that I think yeah. is not done yet with. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China and Escape from New York. Yeah, so I'm trying to figure out how that works. <laughs> two Kurt Russell characters meeting each other. That's all you need. Right. That's all you need. So, um, But the fight scenes are cool. You got the little eyeball guy that looks like he came right out of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, the, and, of the, course, Kim Cattrall. Oh, yeah. That, that doesn't hurt either. Um, <laughs> so... So yeah, so Big Trouble in Little China was my number three. Um, now we're getting down to the big two. John, what was your number two? Boy. Okay, well. How big of a number two did you take, John? <laughs> well, let's see. He's friends with the Sportos and the Dweebies and the Motorheads and everybody else. Uh, <laughs> we got one to save Ferris. Uh, Ferris Bueller was my number two. Um, having lived in the Chicago suburbs during college a little bit, got to know that area well, and uh, spent some time downtown. Spent quite a bit of time downtown and always enjoy. Great place to visit, would want to live there, but uh, I've had a lot of fun in the city and never uh, necessarily did what Ferris did in terms of skipping school. But <laughs> I Who are you kidding, John? I loved it when he played the clarinet and was like, never had a lesson. That's still one of my favorite <laughs> Uh, and when he's got that keyboard and he's trying to sound like Alien, you know, and making the crazy yeah. sick noises and everything. What's, you know, it's kind of funny. A lot of kooky stuff in that movie. But uh, it, in real life, the mother and father got married after the movie. Oh, wow. oh did they really? Yeah. Yeah. I guess they met there and hit it off and got married later on. But, uh, you know, let's face it. You got Jennifer Grey when you still knew what she looked like. And was up and... That's not a song with Jennifer Grey. It's just when she got her work done, you didn't. I didn't know yeah. who she was. The yeah, time I saw her. Yeah, she admits that. Yeah, but you know, it, it's just a, it's a classic, man. My kids have seen it uh, quite a few times now, and I mean, it, I'm glad they the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, the soundtrack. I'm glad they never made another one. I did think that Super Bowl was it a Super Bowl ad a few years ago where they had him, you know, taking another day off. Yes. You know, in his. Well, let's not talk about how old he may be now, but yeah. Um, <laughs> and Ferris Bueller, it was uh, it's, it's great. You got a future glimpse of what Charlie Sheen was going to be later on in his life. <laughs> Boy, that was prophetic, wasn't it? <laughs> um, I will think say how many how many lines though? Think of how many lines are oh my God. people use on a daily basis. Like not just the like Bueller people thing, but right. it, like when Cameron was in Egypt land. I'm like oh, I say yeah. that to my wife every time I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, we're talking about how he was and putting a col- you know piece of coal up his butt, and I mean, you know, there's, yeah, there's, like I said, it's a classic, and it had to be, it had to be way up on my list. Life moves pretty fast. If 
you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. John, I will say that was the one that I went back and forth with One Crazy Summer on. So that made my honorable mention list, but it was my number five for a while. Um, yeah, I love that. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is just a brilliant piece of work. Oh, Yeah, we got some, some storms going on here. So, Yikes. So if I hear a flash and you screaming at the top of your lungs, I know that you've just been, like, zapped. Right, and I got super speed. So, <laughs> oh God, I was thinking more of the Scott Bayo version, but that's all right. <laughs> I'll take that, too. We've talked about that before. Oh, yeah. Polarity will definitely ensue if that's the case. Yeah. Only well, if Heather Thomas is around. Well, or her body double. And then <laughs> uh, you got to love the, the end credit scene where he tells the whole audience to go home. Uh, which was reenacted in the Deadpool movie. Deadpool. Yeah, we, yeah. We, didn't, we didn't spoil when we did that Deadpool one, but we talked about yeah. Shane and I were talking about it had to be the same wallpaper. Oh yeah, yeah. it had to be like it just it was. They yeah, were two on top of it. Yeah. So I think there's been enough time that if you haven't seen Deadpool, you're not going to see it at this not, point. Yeah. Yeah, you're <laughs> a little late at this point. So when the sequel's a week out, yeah, it's a little late. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, all right, Shannon, you're number two. Hey. <laughs> Just because I didn't want to read the damn book. Those, I, um, did, did you know that, did John tell you I almost sent you the uh, the book for Rogue One? <laughs> uh, nice. I just sent you back a box of ashes. <laughs> that would have been your sketchbook. Ooh. 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 Ouch. Okay. So my number two, sticking with, you know, where I come from. I'm sorry. <laughs> Piss all you Star Wars fans out there off. But Star Trek Four. Okay. I still love Star Trek Four. Okay. Um, I love the environmental message of it. I know that's probably not cool anymore, but I love it. I love Scotty talking into a mouse, thinking the computer's going to respond to him. Um. I, I just enjoy a lot of the scenes in that film. I love seeing them on Earth, present day, dealing with the, the crap that you have to deal with. Um, it's just fun. For me, it's a it's a fun film. I know it's got its flaws. I know it's not exactly pure Star Trek to some people, but I'm, I'm a sucker for time travel, and especially when it's Star Trek. So. And that's that's whale one, right? Yeah. Okay. I can't ever keep them straight, though number wise so okay um i like the star trek movies but it's just the show i never could get into so well you can't beat it and having shatner say double dumbass on you <laughs> that, that's a classic nice colorful metaphors isn't that what spock calls them <laughs> yeah it was when spock tries to swear and he's like remember the colorful metaphors don't, don't do it anymore <laughs> Uh, my number two, uh, John's already mentioned it, uh, Aliens. Uh, absolutely love Aliens. It's my favorite of the series. Uh, I'm a big Aliens and Predator fan. And what, I don't know, if, I'm sure you guys know this, maybe you don't, I don't know, but what's the one thing that ties the Aliens and Predators together in the film world? The skull and Predator 2. Well, that does, but I was thinking more of an actor. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, uh, what's his name? Um, oh yeah, that guy, Game Lance uh, Henriksen, right? No, when he, no. Oh, who are we talking about? Game over himself, Mister Bill Paxton. Oh, that's that's right. He was in Terminator. I forgot. He was in Predator Two, and he was in Aliens. So 
Uh, and yeah, he, but, so, but so was Lance Henriksen. Was he? Was he in Terminator? Yeah, because Lance Henriksen was in Terminator, but he was in, uh, well, that's he was in Aliens. He plays that's the yeah, Terminator. We're, we're, talking Terminator. we're talking Aliens and Predator. I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting my themes all mixed up. I thought he was but, in the first Predator, though. He was also in Terminator. No, Predator 2. In, in the first Terminator. Okay. Yeah. When he break, like when he tells him to give him his clothes, that's the kid he tells to give him his clothes. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm mixing my uh, yeah. properties up. I was referring. That's all right. I went right there with you. <laughs> yeah, I was referring. Because I was Predator. like, yeah, Lance Henriksen was in that too with Bill Paxton. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, Bill Paxton was in Predator too, and in that's right. Aliens. He plays the cop. Yeah. And yeah, and he's in the so, and it's kind of interesting because he plays in the sequels to both the movies franchises. So. Um, but yeah, Aliens was fantastic. Uh, the, I mean, John, you said pretty much everything I could say about it, but uh, definitely a different movie from the first one. The first one's like this sci-fi horror, and this one is total action. Uh, and uh, I love seeing all the different weapons. I love seeing the Queen uh, alien. Uh, Bill Paxton's character is awesome. Paul Reiser's character, you root for him to die when he dies. <laughs> You want him to die. Oh, yeah. He's, you need him to die. <laughs> um, I jump every time with that face hugger scene, too. Uh, and I did see it just... I also saw it just recently, probably in the last six months or so. Um, and, uh, yeah, absolutely love the Aliens movie. I th- I... And how many people do you know tried the knife trick? Oh, my God. The lunch, well, maybe with a pencil at the lunch table or yeah. at your desk. Oh, yeah. Or, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were talking, we were mentioning like lines, like game over is set. I don't know how many times by my friends and myself. So <laughs> game over, man, game over. Um, love that movie. So, all right. You're number one, John. Well, I have to say this has been very interesting because I, 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 I shouldn't be surprised that our lists are all a little different, but, uh, my number one's been mentioned. Okay. And uh, I will say I, I didn't really discover it until a little bit later, but once I did, I just fell in love with it. And it's Big Trouble in Little China. Nice. I, uh, I, I when I got old enough to understand that Kurt Russell was doing his best John Wayne, it's just awesome. <laughs> like it's so damn funny to listen to him in that movie. He's just doing John Wayne, yeah. and it's a scream. It's just so funny. Of course, now I realize, too, part of the reason I probably like it so much is the the guy who did the adaptation for the script was the guy who directed Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, so that might explain a little bit of the uh, goofiness. But, you know, this was uh, – it's John – and it's it was kind of out of – you know, John Carpenter, I think, is really known more for his horror stuff, but he wanted to make a, a martial arts movie, and this was kind of his chance to have this – supernatural kung fu uh trucker western thing going i i just uh i i love it i tried reading the comic i just couldn't do it yeah but i'm very and i will say it's very interesting i've tried to get my kids to watch it jacob not so much daniel loves it yeah. my younger guy he just oh he's yeah he's playing video games the other room. he just said it it's really good <laughs> so uh, but uh but yeah big trouble in little china i again I'm assuming that the people listening to this show have seen all these films for the most part. Yeah. I may have an mention that nobody else has seen, but everything else, it's probably... And I think this is one of Chewie's big movies, if I remember correctly, because he's even met Lopan. 
oh, wow. who was in full, was in full gear at a wizard show, wow. taking pictures in full gear. In fact, you know, there, I know there's a band called Safe Ferris that was very popular, but there is a band in Richmond called Low Pan, yes. which is that's flipping awesome. So, yep. and, <laughs> big drum, a little China, number one. Jack Burton and the Pork Chop Express, and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. Like I told my last wife, I says, honey, I never drive faster than I can see. Besides that, it's all in the reflexes. Just listen to the old Pork Chop Express and take his advice on a dark and stormy night, all right? When some wild-eyed, eight-foot-tall maniac grabs your neck, taps the back of your favorite head up against a barroom wall, and he looks at crooked in the eye, and he asks you if you've paid your dues. Well, you just stare that big sucker right back in the eye, and you remember what old Jack Burton always says at a time like that. Have you paid your dues, Jack? Yes, sir, the check is in the mail. Awesome. All right, Shannon, you're number one. Uh, it's been mentioned twice already. So number one for me is aliens. Nice. Um, but I will point out something else. Uh, there's this thing that's been going around Facebook. I don't know if anybody else has seen it, but it's kind of like this one of those websites where they analyze films. Okay. And they were talking about aliens, and they were talking about how when Cameron was making it, that the original Alien, it was like your standard fare of you know lone woman survivor, and she goes around and she just does what she can to get out of the situation. Mm -hmm. And then in the second film, they knew they were going to do something totally different, but they didn't have a hook for it. And they finally came up with the idea of motherhood. Mm. And so when you watch the extended version of aliens, there's a lot of, there's even more references to Sigourney Weaver being the mother figure. And then when she finds Newt, because she's already lost her daughter that while she was in, you know, stasis or whatever, grew up and had her own family and died and she never got to raise that child. And then when she finds Newt, she kind of like puts all of her motherhood instincts onto Newt and the payoff at the end of the film, this is from that, you know, the website is when at the end of the film, she calls Sigourney Weaver mother. Mm. And so that's the payoff. And they said, there's all these moments in the film where you see her being associated with motherhood and like an earth mother goddess because there's a shot where you see the earth and then that fades into Ripley's face. Yeah. Or like in one of the cut scenes, she's sitting there looking at pictures of her daughter and it looks like she's in a wooded area, but it's actually a hologram. Yeah. And so they kind of analyze the film and I was like, man, I hadn't even thought of that. It's like a whole nother level yeah. onto the movie. Well, even the villain, um, even the villain's a mother, it's the queen. And, and that's what they were talking about. Like one of the things is the whole, you know, get away from her, you bitch. That's like the mom protecting yeah. against another mom. Yeah. You know? So I just I thought that was a great anal, you know analyzation is that a word I don't know um, of the analysis. film which I hadn't even thought about analysis there you go I'm an idiot I draw shit um, you said it not us yeah that's true I admit it I'm the first to admit it my vocabulary is, is presidential level but um, <laughs> wow I was talking so, about the fact you said you drew shit but you know because you always just, tell us to do things well that too it's a double undone anyway but. Yeah, I just I, I I already liked the film. Yeah. Just from the action standpoint of it and the shots yeah. and the one liners, anything Bill Paxson says in that film should be a T shirt. Yes. <laughs> but I really I never really looked at it from the angle that they were talking about with the motherhood aspect of yeah, it. Yeah, that's thought, pretty I, awesome. I, I was like, Wow, that 
you can, it's another, you can watch the film multiple times and not get everything out of it. Yeah. That is really cool. So, yeah. I never, I never thought of it either. It makes me want to watch it again now to kind of yeah, see and, some and, of that. If you see the thing, it's floating around Facebook. Like people have liked it and, and retweeted it sure. or reshared it. You ought to check it out because yeah. it's a really neat analysis of the film. Cool. Um, and, well, and then also talking, going back to some of the art too. Like if you ever watch some of the makings of it and everything else, like it was very focused on the look and the feel that it was going to have. I mean, and that's you know part of who Cameron is too. But like as they're going more and more into the nest, like it changes from being a human structure into being this organic yeah. area. Like just that type of stuff intrigues me also. And like uh, the lighting that they use and like this, you know, everything to, to create suspense and stuff like that. Like there's a reason when that face hugger jumps up every time, even though I know it's coming, it makes me jump is because the atmosphere that's created right before that happens. Um, so and you got to really respect Stan Winston. I mean, the guy was stuck oh, with this, yeah. this design. And you're talking about someone that's used to creating his own designs. And they're like, well, we've already got this. You know, what can you do with it? And he comes up with the mother. Yeah. You know, or just the way he treats the 15,000 aliens that he's got to build for it or designing the environments. Like, yeah. I remember having one of the old Starlog behind-the-scenes thing where he had a bunch of his sketches in it. Yeah. It's it's amazing. Yeah. I, I, oh, he was a I, he was a master. I mean, just amazing uh, man. And this was all before CGI, so they had to figure out yeah. how to do this practically. <laughs> like, how do you? Well, that's a, you know, with the loader thing. Yeah, it still works. Like, there's nothing about that when you're watching it. You're like, oh, it's a crappy stop motion model, dude. Right. You don't get that. It's it holds up so yeah. well. Absolutely. So, oh, great, great pick. It's it's funny. It went three, two, one, right down. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, um, my number one uh, is uh, Top Gun because of how uh, number one how much I watched it, but also uh, after seeing it, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Like, legitimately wanted to be a fighter pilot. Uh, looked into it, wanted to see what you know. How can I become one? Uh, absolutely love the movie. Uh, Tons of quotable lines from it. Again, we've been mentioning soundtracks. Awesome soundtrack. Uh, in fact, I, as a kid, I made, I took the soundtrack and recorded it onto another tape and then added the songs onto that tape that were also in the movie that they didn't put on the soundtrack, like sitting on the dock nice. of the bay and stuff like that. So, um, got all those onto one tape then. So, you know, it made me want to be a pilot. It made me go out and make my own soundtrack version. Um, watch the movie hundreds and hundreds of times. Um, and then here's something really embarrassing from my childhood uh, from this movie. Uh, Just we, one? Oh, I've had a lot, but this is... Uh, Beach volleyball. <laughs> no. <laughs> so when I... Uh, it, I was in grade school when I saw it. And... <laughs> Yeah, shut up. <laughs> uh, and we had a talent show, and I entered the talent show with a buddy of mine, and we did like just a lip-syncing type performance, and we did it to the song "Danger Zone" in front Hell, of the yeah, you did in front of the whole school. So uh, my dad like uh, cut out like guitars that we painted, to, you know, and everything else, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, and just it was completely like looking back on it now, it was completely ridiculous. But I even had 
like my dentist who had a daughter that went to the school uh, still re- remembered it like years and years and years later. He's like, remember when you were at the talent show and you did that? I was like, yeah. He's like, uh, everyone loved that. That was awesome. Because, of course, we did the talent show for the school, but we also did it for the parents uh, one night. So, um, so yeah, Top Gun was just awesome. Uh, absolutely loved it. So. Now, how do you think it holds up? Have you watched it in the last few years? Because I know it's been on Netflix and it's been around. Have you watched it again yeah, lately? It still holds up pretty well because, well, number one, they set the date of when it's taking place anyways, uh, if I remember right. Like the little ticker thing that goes across says when it's happening. Um, yeah, I, they, and there's not a ton of technology things in it other than, you know, the jets. Um so, so you're not sitting there like bad mouthing the F-14 or whatever it right, was. Right. I mean, yeah, you're. It's. I mean, obviously you have the Russian MIG relationship going on there, but again, you know what time period is taking place in. So I, I think it holds up really well, and I know that they used a lot of actual uh, fighter jet, you know, footage and everything else, and I think they even filmed some stuff right for the movie, um, so they could get it to, you know, look as real as possible. So. I still get sad when Goose dies. That's. <laughs> <laughs> he had a lot of death scenes, didn't he? Like he's dying on a beach. He's um, whacked in the head. And it's and it's Tom Cruise. So you know our buddies at cruising together. Uh, Who cares about that? Kelly McGillis is in it, <laughs> and she has not aged well. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. But we still have uh, what was it? Witness. We yes. still have witness. Yes. <laughs> That's all we need. But uh, I, I absolutely like that. I, I love Top Gun. It was uh, I personally I could have done without the volleyball scene, but <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me you wanted to be a professional volleyball player. <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought or that you lip sync playing with the boys to at school. Then. No, 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 uh, no. We did Danger Zone, and oh, and the the Top Gun anthem was just like awesome. Like that musical piece is just um, incredible. So, yeah, Kenny Loggins hasn't aged well either. No, he is not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see when, when we're done with this. Then I'll tell you my talent show story, but I'm okay. not putting that on the show. Okay, I, I want a written. Agreement that it will not be used. I vow it shall not be. But if anyone wants to know the story, you should. Go, oh, shut up! You should go see Shannon in Baltimore and have him tell it to you himself. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this way, it's up to you whether you tell them or not. Mm. So I will leave it in your capable hands. Hundred bucks a pop. <laughs> I'm sure for a hundred bucks you'd be very willing to tell the story. <laughs> I got no morals. <laughs> All right, so who uh, I'll save my honorable mention list for last because I'm sure I have the most uh, as usual. But so who wants to go first with their honorable mentions? I'll, I'll go first since I did my movies first. Okay, and I've I've got three. Okay, so the first one is Space Camp. Oh, nice, oh, nice. The reason being was I went to Space Camp in 1985. Oh, sweet. And they filmed it. They started filming. We were the last camp or the last session. It was a week. You know, that you were there. I was in the last session before they started filming. Nice. And so what's neat is a bunch of my counselors are in the movie as extras. Oh, wow. Like one of the first big shots of the camp where you see all the, you know, you see counselors running around. Yeah. A bunch of them were people that I knew. Wow. Uh, 
and Leah Thompson, duh. Yeah, duh. But, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, the movie is horrific. But yeah, anyway, it, it's horrific. It's and it's an okay horrific. It hold it holds a special place for me because of the fact that I went to space camp. I wanted to be an astronaut when I was a kid, and uh, you know that was my thing for a long time. And so got to go to that camp, and it was really neat. And again, it was it was they they talked about oh we're making a movie. Oh, that's kind of cool. And then it came out the next year. So nice. that was wasn't so cool. <laughs> the second one, the second one is a movie called Heat. Okay. With Burt Reynolds. Yeah. It, it is one of the more disturbing things I've ever seen him do. Uh, <laughs> plays a, a like a special forces guy who's a drunk and down on his luck now, out of the service. He's like a bodyguard, and he at the opening he gets beat up by a guy. He, basically, the guy pays him off to beat him up in front of his girlfriend, and then there's a a, a woman that gets violated uh, by this big crime dude in a in a in a hotel in Vegas, and he goes in there and beats the hell out of all his people and she ends up almost castrating this guy and I mean it is it's it's it, anyway. it's a family film so yeah it's a family film but what, what what's interesting is I was I was on Amazon one day I was looking around and there's this movie now that just came out in the last couple of years called Wild Card with Jason Statham and I turn it on and I start watching it I'm like this is heat <laughs> And I'll be damned if it's not the William Gold because it was a William Goldman book that they made into the original movie. And sure enough, like I missed the opening credit, whatever. How somehow I missed where they reference the fact it was Heat, but now it's Jason Statham, and I think it took place in Atlantic City instead of Vegas. But like other than that, it was like the same damn movie, or they were both in Vegas. I don't know. It it's not as good. I like Statham, but he needs to stick to the other stuff. But yeah, Heat was the second one. The final one. May I may be the only person that's on this show or that listens to this show that has ever seen Doctor Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> it's funny because it's the it's it's a Jim Varney movie. It's yes. the only one that's not called Ernest that has Ernest mm. in the title. And Jim Varney plays Doctor Otto, who's this evil guy with a hand on his head. Like it's a hand that moves and stuff, almost like you know, cousin like thing, or not cousin it, but thing on, in Adam Sandler or something. Yeah. But I, the only reason I ever saw this movie is when I was a kid, we used to go up to the convenience store. Uh, it, it, uh, we'd walk up to the convenience store where we, you know, you could get a coke and peanuts or whatever. We, you could rent movies there, and so in probably 1987, I rented this Doctor Otto and the Riddle of the Gloom Beam. And there's a line in it where Dr. Otto, who's Jim Varney, talks about the good guy in it and says – he's talking about him and he suddenly says he's one of these guys who never gets poop on his shoes. And I thought that was one of the funniest things I'd ever heard. And they were going to make a sequel called Never Get Poop on Your Shoes that Jeez. never happened because the Ernest stuff took off. And so from then on – and Ernest is in the movie right at the end. Okay. But anyway, you you can watch it on YouTube. It's there in parts. Um, I can't recommend it. <laughs> the theme song is, it's like this really bad Bond theme song. And he sings in it. And he's like kind of monotone. I, I, I you know, it, it's one of those though. When I saw it, I was like, holy cow. And I think I even texted you guys like Dr. Otto yes. had such fond memories of that movie. And again, if anybody else listens to it or has seen it rather, put it on Facebook. Twitter, tweet me, somehow communicate with me that somebody else has seen this movie because 
according to Wikipedia, it didn't come out on video until 1992, but I know that's not right because I saw it in the 80s. Yeah. But I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it on, on VHS, and I, I would guess if it wasn't 86, it must have been 87. So Dr. Otto, Riddle the Gloom Beam, number three on the uh, – uh, near near hit near hits. The the thing that cracks me up the most about it is that you were like, I can't recommend it, and I was waiting for the word enough to come after <laughs> that, <laughs> and that never no. happened. For once, Barney running around with it with a hand on his head, making it doing, and he does a bunch of different parts in it. And again, it's one of these things where it was right as those earnest things were starting to pick up all the convenient uh, the you know different TV TV ads he was doing. Yeah, and uh, so anyway. I saw it. I don't think anybody else has. <laughs> love to, I would love to talk to somebody that has. The, I know I'm not crazy. I know it exists. It's on. It's on the internet that it exists. You can watch it, but it would be caveat emptor. I'm not telling you to. Nice. <laughs> All right, Shannon. What what honorable mentions have you have left? Um, one of mine is uh, Name of the Rose with okay. Sean Connery. Okay. Um. I just enjoy that. I've always had kind of a soft spot for mysteries and um, that I just enjoy the entire story of it where, you know, there's a mythical book that they have to track down and there's murders and they're priests. And I just, I, I enjoyed it. It's a period piece and, and it's got Sean Connery. What more do you need to know? Right. Oh, but no, the, the funny, the downfall to the film though is Christian Slater <laughs> is, Sean Connery is kind of apprentice monk or whatever, and uh-huh. hearing him talk to the whole film, you're like, "Why did you cast this guy?" Because <laughs> it's like, "I don't know about the damn thing, Father." So and so, you know, and it's like, um, "You're supposed to be in England in the middle of the 1100s, and could you try an accent? Just give it a shot." You got I'm, nothing to I'm convinced to this day that Christian Slater was a failed clone experiment for Jack Nicholson. <laughs> well, you know, and the other thing is, is like not to get off the subject, but Jack Nicholson, they showed some movie he did with Boris Karloff on Comet or something recently, uh-huh. and he's supposed to be a French soldier in like the 1800s, and he stumbles across this castle that Boris Karloff lives in and killed his wife, and it's it's that same thing. Like he's supposed to be a, a French officer in the 1800s, and it's like I just can't find the door, and it's like <laughs> what the hell? How did your career ever take off? Because it's so, Jack. But anyway, it's, <laughs> aside from that failing, it's a good film. I enjoyed it. Mystery. Love it. Cool. The other other one, a little more serious, a little more straight, worthy film, is Children of a Lesser God. Okay. Um, Marley Matlin's big breakout. Uh, I just enjoy the story. Anything where they teach you how to swear in sign language, great film. <laughs> you know, you learn something, you get something out of it. But the last one is the elephant in the room. No one's mentioned it. No one's brought it up. We all know it's there, and we all love it, but we won't admit it. Howard the Duck. (laughs) Admit it, right? Leah Thompson, come on. Well, that that scene alone with Leah Thompson is worth seeing Howard the Duck. Back me up. (laughs) And it's, it's, it's one of those things that it's so bad, it becomes good. It makes the full circle of, yes, drink a few, watch this, it's great. Drink a few, watch this, it's great. Right. So I put it out there, and I still have the single with the theme song on it. I, I I actually really do enjoy Howard the Duck. I saw it often, but, like, the the when I saw it in my teen years, it was like, like, 
I don't care if it's a duck. I want to see her get naked. Because when she starts coming on to him and, and she's about to take off her top, I'm like, no, don't be joking with him. Go for it. <laughs> hey. Um, yeah, it's a fun movie. But I stand by that. You guys wouldn't admit it. No one wanted to have the balls to say it. <laughs> All right. Uh, is that, was that your last one? I got sh- There were like 5,000 films worth pointing out. I know. In I know. 86. Like, we didn't even talk about The Fly. No. And it, I didn't even have it on my honorable mention, but yeah, it's a fantastic movie. So, mm-hmm. um, Or The Wraith with the young Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Um, so one movie, obviously, I needed to mention just because of the show was Transformers, the animated movie, came out that year and stole my childhood away from me from when Optimus Prime mm-hmm. died. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I love the movie. I, I don't love it enough for it to be in my top five, but uh, definitely still love the movie, and I've seen it recently. So um, so a few movies that almost made, or at least were contenders. Um, one is the movie Stand By Me. Uh, you know, any... Uh, I was at that age where any group of guys, kids that were going to be going on an adventure somewhere, I was totally hooked. <laughs> because... I would go on adventures in the woods, and after seeing that movie, it was like I was waiting for someone to be like, "You guys want to see a dead body?" Um, like that movie is is just fantastic. Um, so uh, that one, uh, a very very underrated Eddie Murphy movie, but I love it, <laughs> is The Golden Child. <laughs> <laughs> what there was an obsession with making like bad. Kung Fu yeah. action films in the eighties. Yeah, I love the Golden Child. The the I I I want the knife, please. <laughs> oh, that was the funniest bit. Yeah, that and when, like, yeah, that's the only bit I remember from that movie. That, that and the, that now and the, the, the booger scene, like lipus leaves or something, because yeah. they flip up the bowl and it's got blood in it or whatever. He eats like a little leaf. Yeah, yeah. No, like, my, my favorite is like the, the Buddhist monk is like picking his nose and he wipes it on his robe and he's like, yeah, well, wash that off or it's going to freeze on there and hard and get all cut, hard and crusty. You're going to cut yourself on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love the scene where he's uh, telling him he wants to buy a necklace and how much was it? And he goes, oh, no, you took a 20. And then all of a sudden he grabs the guy by the cloak and he disappears and he goes, and the girl comes and he goes, did you see a little naked man running around with a $20 bill? <laughs> And she's like, no, but I can arrange one for you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, but, James, but Victor Victor Wong and James Hong are both in that in that and Big yeah. Trouble in Little China. So that was a big year for them. Yeah, it was. My if, you were, if you were an my, Asian actor in yeah. in California, that was a good year. It was. <laughs> my dear sweet brother Noomzi. Messed <laughs> <Just>, up. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I've seen that movie way too many times. <laughs> Apparently so. Um, and then uh, Three Amigos. Uh, love the Three Amigos. Uh, <laughs> the, the Just the whole uh, infamous is when you're more than famous, you, you're infamous. Um, I mean, you got Chevy Chase, you got Martin Short, and you got uh, Steve Martin. It, when you get... So many times nowadays when you get a bunch of good actors together, you almost expect crap now. <laughs> but those three together, I, I just think made a brilliantly hilarious movie. So 
I think there's a lot of people that would argue with you. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a hilarious movie. So, um, Martin Short's probably the weakest part of it, the whole thing, but but I, I still love that movie. Um, probably it, this is a movie that would definitely be in probably my top five like sports movies if we were looking at sports movies only, and that's Hoosiers. Um, just Gene Hackman, absolutely love that movie. Um, I was gonna say it's my top favorite. It's my favorite basketball movie, but there's not exactly a ton of basketball movies out there. Um, but it, Fish the same Pittsburgh. <laughs> and uh, was it? Uh, what's the Bugs Bunny one with the? Oh God, Space, Space Jam. Jam. <laughs> nice, well played. And blue blue chips. <laughs> that's another one. But. Um, and that's it. Other that's than like Harlem it. Globetrotters go to Gilligan's Island. <laughs> he got game. Oh, there you go. Um, but Hoosiers is just a fantastic film. Uh, I, I think it's very well done. And, uh, yeah, it's... It, it shows Lex Luthor can bring anything <laughs> together and make it work, right? Right. Um, and then just some other fun movies that made my honorable mention. Iron Eagle, which is the poor man's uh, Top Gun. Uh, but I still love it. You got Louis Gossett Jr. You got Queen music in it. Um, it's completely implausible that you would get a bunch of teens flying jets and everything else. But um, uh, Crocodile Dundee, only because I went and saw it with my dad and my uncle and a bunch of my cousins. It was like like kind of the first guys' night out type of thing when I was a kid. Um and then two movies that both of them you'll, you guys will laugh at, but Short Circuit, I love that movie. Uh, you know, being the Star Wars fan, I got I got another movie with another robot. So, uh, and he was just a funny character. So, and then uh, Cobra, uh, I think is a very underrated Sylvester Stallone movie. <laughs> he drives a badass car in that movie. He does, and. Uh, his name is Marion Cobretti, and uh, he's got one of the best cheesy lines in the movie. It's it's filled with one-liners, but uh, I love the whole, uh, you're the disease and I'm the cure. Um, I don't know. I've watched it many times, and I love it. it it's, it's, I won't say it's a good movie, but it's it's a fun movie. So I, I have to admit, I, I was afraid to put Short Circuit on my list. Were you? <laughs> yes. I, I, I always had to think for Ali Sheedy. Oh, yeah. But the courts told me I couldn't show it to her. And, um, but, Jeez. yeah. Plus, I have to, I have, you know, as inappropriate as it is, I used to do, who was it, the guy that was the Indian Fisher researcher? Stevens. Oh, yeah. Fisher Stevens. Yes. Yeah. I used to do a really bad impersonation of him all the time. <laughs> So, no, this is which is not appropriate these days. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is not. That's why that's why I impersonated Johnny Five. So <laughs> no, disassemble Johnny Five. Yes, <laughs> but, but it's really hard to admit you love a movie with Steve Gutenberg in it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Although there's a few I like. <laughs> police Academy movies. I, I, I was going to say yeah. Outside of the Police Academy movies, which and maybe Three Men and a Baby. Oh, that was the other thing I was going to mention. Um, I don't know if it came up when you guys were doing the list, but the original version of Three Men and a Baby came out in '86, which was Three Men in a Cradle, the French film. Oh, okay. So, so you know, a precursor to a film that yeah. might make my list. Did uh, did that one have Steve 
Steve Gutenberg in it also? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> I was just curious. There wouldn't have been three men and a baby if it hadn't been for three I know what baby. you're saying. I was just curious if he like got casted for that one, too. You know, if you love Top Gun with Tom Cruise so much, how come you didn't mention Legend? I know. Well, so that's, that's the freaky thing, okay? I didn't realize that Legend... I mean, I saw it on the list, but like I didn't realize Legend and Top Gun, until I saw the list, came out in the same year. I always thought Legend was like way earlier than Top Gun. <laughs> it was way worse. It is way worse. <laughs> Um, 86 was a hard year. There was a ton of stuff that came out. There was. There, it was It mm. was not easy to make a list at all. Like, my top couple were pretty easy, but after that, I was like, i throw a dart. Because so. we didn't even mention House. Oh, like, yeah. I, that's a film that I enjoy watching. I mean, I wouldn't put it on my list. but No, but it's a good movie. Um, one movie that I liked was, uh, and little, very little known by a lot of people, is FX. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, you have uh, he's a I can't remember the actor's name, but he's a special effects guy, and he gets caught up in a whole like I think in the don't first they have one. him like do it's supposed to be like he's supposed to do an effect to pretend someone got shot. Yeah, yeah, yes. and then yeah, the guy it, actually is shot. Yes, Brian Dennehy and uh, oh Cox, what's his name? Not Brian Cox. He's Australian. Uh, Here I look. Yeah, actually, I looked at that. And I, I I haven't seen it in a long time. It's is that is it FX or FX two where it's got the legs and he's kicking like it's that's two yeah is that two okay because yeah. I, I remember that part but yeah it, maybe it is Brian Cox it's gonna yeah hmm. hang on I'm looking um I know that I saw it's Brian Dennehy Brian Dennehy yeah for sure right, who's the who's the other guy in it um that's uh, uh Brian Brown Brian Brown thank you yeah, yeah. so two Brians. Um, and I actually saw FX2 before I saw FX. Um, and I really liked FX2. And so the funny thing is, because it was just FX2, I didn't equate in my head that it was a sequel. <laughs> I just was like, okay, it's some letters and numbers. I don't know. I'll see what this movie is. And I watched it and I was like, oh, this FX, now I know what they're referring to as special effects. So this, is, and with it being two, this is probably a sequel. And then I went and looked up the first movie so it's a steel trap that mind it, it is it is it's, it's like nothing talking gets... to sherlock holmes in real life it, it's amazing <laughs> shut up <laughs> listen what was my word analysis in, in it? <laughs> yeah. like... analysization or something <laughs> yeah who am i to talk <laughs> yeah you're a moron <laughs> moronization <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> I'm a moronical. <laughs> um, any other movies you guys wanted to mention that kind of burnt out my uh, my list? I had, Mod- you know, I had Ferris Modern Bueller. Girls. I had Virginia Madsen in it. Okay. <laughs> Just because I had Virginia, that was the only reason to watch that film. Uh, my chauffeur with Deborah Foreman. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was 16. I was coming of age. What do you want? <laughs> I. Uh, you- oh, you got age and coming of age for a lot of these shows. Man. Yeah. It's like every year it's, well, I, we didn't hear your age. I had to start early. You did. Right. Cause you start talking like what an 80 with the hunger. I mean, my, my goodness, man. I'm like, just ooh. saying, look at me. I had a lot to work with. You know, I, it's going to take a lot of effort for me. So yeah, I have a lot of time in my hands. So a few <laughs> other ones here that are kind of big ones that we didn't mention. Uh, platoon came out in 86. Um, Sid and Nancy. 
Yep. Uh, Pretty in Pink. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors, the the yeah. uh, musical version. And uh, Manhunter, which is the first movie with <laughs> Hannibal Lecter. So, You know what? I almost gave an honorable mention to a movie called Round Midnight. Okay. Have you guys ever seen that? Yeah. It was kind of like a precursor to the uh, Charlie Parker film that came out later, but it's, it's a good film. It's got a great soundtrack. Yeah. Flight of the Navigator. Ooh, uh, Robin Williams. No. Paul Rubens. Yeah. Wasn't he the voice of the, the yes. computer? Yes. And then uh, Critters. Gotta, oh. gotta love Critters. <laughs> was there a troll movie that year? Yes. There was a troll movie that year. Can't get enough of that. No. Nope. Uh, Heartbreak oh, Ridge. That was another fantastic movie with uh, Clint Eastwood. So, yeah, it was... 86 was a big year. Got Karate Kid 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still like Karate Kid 2. Karate Kid 3 is one that got a bit out there for me. <laughs> and then a couple... Uh, I didn't... Go ahead. I was going to say, a couple good animated ones were American Tale and uh, Great Mouse Detective. Both came out that year. See, I wanted to put those on my list, but I hadn't... Like, I hadn't seen Great Mouse Detective all the way through. Okay. So. Well, American Tale, that was another Don Bluth one, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fievel, because that led to Fievel Goes West, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that was the sequel? Yeah, wasn't it? it was. Yes. I mean, those films aren't great, like, from a story standpoint, but the animation is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Don, Don Bluth doesn't get enough credit other no. than The Secret of Nim. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, Secret of Nim is like his crowning achievement. So, yeah. And I actually have a animated uh, animation cell because he was doing a whole like thing to try to get uh, Dragon's Lair uh, made oh, into yeah, an yeah, animated thing. So I actually got uh, a cell which is uh, Mrs. Frisbee with her daughter. Um, so that that was pretty cool to own. That's great. Yeah. But. All right. Any other uh, movies? Anything else you guys wanted to uh, mention? Jump right in there. I'll, I'll take that as a no. <laughs> All right. So uh, just like we've been doing, Jan- Shannon, you don't know this if you haven't been listening. So uh-huh. uh, <laughs> we, uh, I got some Star Wars trivia cards for Christmas this year. So we're ending every episode. Each card has two questions. Uh, They do have multiple choice. However, I'm not giving you the multiple choice unless it's absolutely needed, and I don't think you're going to need them. So um, let's see here. Magna Carta. So the first question is, what attacked Luke Skywalker on Hoth? The Wampa. Snow. <laughs> right on both of them. <laughs> yeah, the Wampa is the answer. So, uh, and then this one's interesting because uh, I saw the answer, so I figured I thought I was going to know the question, but I don't know the question. Or I didn't know the question. Uh, what did Princess Leia tell Luke Skywalker when he saw her being escorted by stormtroopers in Cloud City? Luke, it's a trap. Yeah, that is the answer. Which I saw it's a trap as an answer, so I thought for sure it was going to be Admiral Akbar question. <laughs> but he was very specific. Out of all the, the like X-wing fighters, the only one that mattered to him was Luke. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a specific. Every, all of you other fuckers can die, but Luke, it's a trap. So. Basketball shoe, you can die. Giant potato, you can die. That yeah. was just an asteroid. No, sorry. Um, all right, so Chan, uh, why don't you tell everyone how they can uh, find you and your work? I'm online at slgallant.com dot com and uh, that's about it. Okay, and I know at least uh, other than your GI Joe work, uh, which obviously is out there, uh, I also know that I've been seeing uh, covers uh, for the Pink Panther issues that are coming out. That there's been some covers out there for you with that too. So I did Pink Panther. I also did an underdog cover or a couple of covers. Oh, nice! And then I'm waiting, hopefully. Uh, there's going to be, because they also, American Mythology also has uh, the Jay Ward properties now. So yeah. they're doing Bullwinkle. Oh, nice. So I've done a Bullwinkle cover, and hopefully they'll accept the Bullwinkle story that's supposed to go with it that I wrote. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. Um, now, with the underdog, I ordered the first issue, which has the homage cover to Action Comics number one. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you know what issues you did the covers for? Is it for number one, or is it for. I don't know. He's, don't. It was just kind of like, do covers. Okay, okay here's a cover. Okay. <laughs> I just want to know to be on the lookout for it. So, uh, Mine has Tennessee Tuxedo on it. Okay. As well as Underdog. Okay. So. Okay. Very cool. Uh, John, how can they find you? Well, according to Shannon, you can find me on Twitter, John <laughs> underscore Thurman. Or, I, I honestly think at this point you could just say, does anybody know John Thurman? <laughs> on Twitter, and like forty thousand people will like. Oh yeah, here's the link to his. Perchance, but uh, no. Uh, Facebook is also John Thurmond, uh, Virginia Comic Con. We have a our two day show is going to be in July, uh, right after the fourth. I think it's the eighth and ninth that weekend, right after the the holiday. Uh, and you can learn more about uh, any of the upcoming shows there at vacomiccon.com. Nice. Uh, well, I uh, let's see. Uh, a couple things I wanted to mention before giving all the Star Joe's information out. Uh, one, I want to apologize. There hasn't been much Star Joe's stuff coming out other than uh, the daily comic covers, which seems to be a big hit with a lot of people. Um, every day I'm posting on both the fan page and the group page on Facebook a uh, comic cover that's related to Star Joe's. It could be something recent. It could be something classic from the 80s. Uh, but it's something Star Joe's related, some of the properties that we would typically cover on the show. And then there's an ammo dump comic cover. And what that is, it's anything else outside of the show, but it's a comic cover that was for an issue that came out in the 80s. So it might be a Superman issue, it might be an Avengers issue, something like that. But the cover came out in the 80s. Um, so, or that issue came out in the 80s. So it seems like a lot of people are really enjoying that. And then uh, I am also posting on Instagram. Uh, Star Joe's does have an Instagram, uh, and we're getting a lot of followers on there as well. Uh, But I'm doing comic reviews on there, so anything I'm reading at any time, I'm posting my review of that issue at that time with a picture of the cover. Um, And then uh, YouTube uh, just released uh, the day before we were were recording this, uh, just released the comic review for Aliens uh, versus Predator, Life and Death, number issue number one. Uh, if you think I've been nice to all of the comics I've been reading up to that point on YouTube, uh, you'll want to check out that review. 
because uh, did not really care for it. <laughs> and uh, I will have uh, ROM Revolution number one is uh, will be coming out because I recorded that, and as well as Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and uh, Adventures comic number one. Uh, those are two that I have already recorded, and we'll be editing them and getting them out probably in the next week uh, as of this recording. Uh, this episode actually, fingers crossed, will be out uh, before the end of February, so we'll get at least one episode out in February. But you guys can expect uh, two to three episodes coming out every single month as far as the podcast. And uh, I'm going to be trying to do at least an, a comic review episode on YouTube once a week. So I'm definitely going to be busy, but it's, uh, it's, it is a lot of fun. I just took a little bit of a hiatus for a little while. So... Um, but uh, you can find us at starjoes.com. You can find us on Facebook, as I mentioned. We have a fan page and a group page. Uh, and the group page has actually been growing quite a bit. I think we've added like about 20 to 25 members in the last month or so, so which is awesome. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. It's at starjoespodcast. You can email us. It's starjoespodcast at gmail.com. And if you email us, I'll read it on the air and we'll respond to it. You can also leave us a voicemail. We have not had a voicemail in quite a while, so that phone number is 440-941-JOES, 441-941-JOES. And uh, you can find episodes on iTunes. Please leave us an iTunes review. And uh, you can also find it on Stitcher radio app and the, the Podbean radio app. So um, I think that is everything. Oh, and we also have Star Joe's merchandise. You can just go to starjoes.com, and on the right-hand column, you'll see something that says Star Joe's Merchandise. Click on that. It'll take you right to the link where you can buy T-shirts and coffee mugs and all that fun stuff with the Star Joe's logo on it. And if you guys are interested in other designs as far as T-shirts or uh, mugs or whatever, let me know if you're interested uh, because I certainly can work with my wife, who's a graphic designer, and come up with some new things to put on there, uh, but I just want to kind of get an idea if people would actually be interested in buying them, so uh, don't want we should We should do a beefcake calendar. <laughs> I want to see John in a Speedo on a <laughs> That's a negative. No, you don't, no. <laughs> this is not a bear calendar, mind you. No. <laughs> Who's the bear, Waylon? <laughs> um, I might have to talk to uh, Chris Haywood, because I, I think also... Uh, if people are interested, one with all of us in our Star Joe's personas might be an interesting T-shirt. So, <laughs> but might be only interesting to us, maybe not to anyone else. I don't know. So, but yeah, I stand by the calendar thing. <laughs> but yeah, if people are interested in you know other designs, or if you have ideas for other designs, uh, you know, send them my way. But again, if, if I want to get an idea if people would be actually interested in, in buying them, not just hey, this would be a cool design, do it. So. <laughs> All right, so uh, with that, we'll go ahead and close the episode by saying the Force will be with you. Because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. Remember what I said about seeing a lot when you're dying? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Drew. I can't see a damn thing. <laughs>